Hello, hello, hello. Good day and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashutino. Today I wanted to talk about something that I think is extremely important, and uh, it's not just because I happen to live in the United States, and it's not just because I happen to teach history, though undoubtedly those two things have influenced um, you know, the way that I approach this. I think, though, it's extremely important because it's it's often taught in a way that uh well you know let me I'll just jump right into it right now and and it'll come it'll come through hopefully with the way I talk about it so I'm talking about the American Revolution okay um the revolt of the 13 colonies uh of British North America um and the subsequent wars that took place um you know and and eventual British Recognition, Treaty of Paris, which, as I always tell my students and I tell everyone else, if you're ever on Jeopardy and there's a question about uh, the Treaty of what, go with Treaty of Paris. There are about 600 of them. Um, I think the odds are pretty good. Paris, apparently a, a great place to go and sign treaties ending a war or something like that. So, yeah. So the American Revolution. Now, the way that we usually teach it, we talk about... Um, we talk about things like the taxes and just a quick, a quick primer in case I understand them. You know, I do have people who listen from overseas. I don't know in, in everyone's country, uh, what is taught about this. I don't know how much detail they go into. I mean, you know, let's be honest, uh, you know, in the United States, I don't really know that many states have, you know, uh, intensive stuff and talk a lot about, you know, the unification of the German states. They don't talk about uh, Algerian War of Independence. So, you know, I'll just give a quick primer. So um, there was a war which is horribly uh, misnomered, the French and Indian War. And those of you who know me understand. I'm like, no, Indians are from India, uh, but Native Americans, because France and Britain had a war. It's known as the Seven Years' War um, in basically everywhere else in the world. Um, and it was fought between... Primarily Great Britain and France, but but and their allies, and it was fought in Europe. It was fought in parts of Asia. It was it was fought in in parts all over the place. Okay, and so but in in the United States here we talk about it. It's called the French and Indian War, and it was basically fought between France and England. And England or the United Kingdom wins, and uh, but it was ruinously expensive. And so they turned around and, and imposed some taxes on the colonists, saying, listen, basically, you know, we, we spent our money, our blood to protect you, and now it's time to kick in a little bit with some taxes, the Stamp Act, the Act, all, all these other things. And the colonists uh, responded the way that um, Americans usually do uh, when we talk about taxes. They were not happy. And so there was tremendous dissension about things. Uh, so eventually the British kind of pulled back a little bit. But then it was like, no, listen, you are the colonists. We are the mother country. We are, this is the British Empire, not the 13 colonies empire. So they reinstituted them anyway. Um, push comes to shove and a couple of critical things happened. Um, you know, there was the Boston Massacre, um, the Boston Tea Party, uh, Boston is involved a lot in this because they were really broken old things. And then eventually Lexington and Concord happened, uh, in which British and colonial forces uh, fired at one another openly. 
Uh, and so anyway, uh, the rebellion had begun, and eventually the different states all join in, the different colonies, uh, the 13 of them, all join in. There's a tremendous attempt to persuade the southern states who still saw it as, a, you know, th- there's like, this is a New England rebellion, you know, and there were a lot of loyalists, people who remained loyal to the crown that were in the south. Um, they did not necessarily want to provoke the world's superpower, uh, which the United Kingdom was at the time, to come in. So anyway, we, always, we focus on those events, and then we start talking about uh, different battles, because everyone loves talking about battles. Uh, we talk about heroic actions, some major characters. Um, but <clears throat> what I wanted to talk about a little bit uh, on the side is something that I find we all too often don't really uh, give our students because, and this is an important thing, because of the way that we see the world today, we kind of view it as, uh, yeah, well, it was always going to be that way. Um, you know, I mean, we, we look at, I mean, today, if a, if a child dies while an infant, it's, it's a terrible tragedy. It always was, but, you know, a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, it was fairly common to lose at least one or two siblings, depending on how many you had, uh, at a young age. Today, we look at it, and we're like, oh my God, how could that happen? Yeah, because we forget we've had such tremendous advances in medicine and in surgery and, and in understanding what to do, what not to do, uh, you know, while you're pregnant, better, better health overall for mothers, better conditions, more sanitary conditions. Um, so we look at it like that. In the same way, we look at concepts like voting, voting rights, the ability to elect the people who run the government. We kind of look at that like, well, yeah, of course we do, okay? I mean, in fact, people take it for such granted that, you know, it's just about 50% of the country doesn't even come out and vote in the United States, where voting is not compulsory. But in the 1700s, in the 1600s and 1700s, this was not the case at all, okay? There's an old Latin saying, um, (laughs) almost all Latin sayings are old by nature. There's an old Latin saying, Adeo rex, a regis lex. What it means is from God the king, from the king the laws. And that was the understanding back then. It, you know, you had this idea that, the, you know, the monarchies ruled. And all throughout Europe, uh, which was doing the colonizing, and even not just in, in Europe, uh, in Asia... I mean, you, had, you did not have liberal democracies in Africa, in Asia, uh, anywhere else, okay? Um, and democracy, of course, you know, comes back, you know, the, the, the ancient Greeks, the Athenians, Spartans certainly didn't really promote that. They had a very true democracy where as long as, long as you were a, a land-owning uh, free male, you could vote on issues. Everyone got down. And you could do that with, with smaller states. You can't obviously do that when you have 300 million people. But uh, the Romans, with their, uh, basically the republic, the system, the Republican, not Republican Party, the Republican system, um, you know, where there were representatives, essentially, um, that people voted for to, to represent them. But, and, and this is the important thing here, I think. Uh, we, when we're talking about the United States, individuals in the U.S. were influenced by what we call Enlightenment ideas, okay? And one of the major 
points of Enlightenment philosophers, especially John Locke, who probably had the most influence uh, over American thinkers at the time, and the, who we'd call the Founding Fathers. John Locke uh, believed that, number one, all people uh, were born uh, with uh, certain what we'd call inalienable rights, okay? And so his argument was basically that the government needed the consent of the governed. Now, this is radical. It's a radical departure because basically it says that it's the people who tell the government what to do. They decide what's going to be done through expressing themselves, in this case through voting, and it's not the other way around, okay? I mean, if you look at, uh, oh, goodness, you pick any, any of a number of the countries. I mean, France had a near-absolute monarchy uh, up until uh, the Revolution, at which point, uh, you know, a lot of people lost their heads, literally and figuratively. Um, it, Great Britain did have more of a, I don't really, I'm going to call it a sort of constitutional monarchy, because they had a parliament, and the parliament advised the king, and they had a little more say. He had prime ministers who ran things, but the king still wielded, uh, you know, a lot of power. And the idea was still that the king was the ultimate kind of, he was in charge, okay? And that's why the colonists, for example, uh, right before the revolution, they sent what, what's become known as the Olive Branch Petition to King George III, basically saying, listen, we think you're being misled by Parliament. Um, please, you know, we don't want to break up. You know, step in and, and be the king, and let's make this stuff go away. And of course he did not, because he, you know, saw it as a challenge. And, and for a lot of European states, you know, I mean, the American Revolution was very dangerous. And it was dangerous because it gave people ideas. And you can't kill an idea. You can kill people, but you can't kill an idea. What you have to do with an idea is you have to completely discredit it, okay? Now, fortunately, there have been many bad ideas that have been discredited, and so very few people still go after them uh, and, and, and support them. Uh, but the idea that people should be in charge uh, of their own policies of of actually being the ones that determined what the government would do. That was kind of crazy talk at the time. It was. And I tell you what, it really did worry a lot of these European countries because eventually it would lead to uh, more radical events such as, like I said, the French Revolution. Um, there were uprisings in 1848. Uh, you know, uh, Karl Marx even, and, and Frederick Engels in writing the Manifesto of the Communist Party, you know, they kind of took this to a, an extreme where the state would be completely abolished, um, you know, and there, there's a lot more. I'm not saying that communism is a direct line from, you know, liberal philosophy here, uh, by no means. But what I'm saying is that it was very influential and it did spread. It spread around um, and eventually you had a lot of countries in Europe uh, ending up turning into more or less liberal democracies. The United Kingdom, uh, where, you know, the king, today the queen is a ceremonial figurehead. You know, she's not running, she's not deciding to declare war on someone tomorrow, okay? Parliament is run. Um, you know, France, uh, even in, in other countries, you know, Italy, 
would eventually become one. I mean, by the 1950s, after World War II, you know, every, uh, most of Europe, Western Europe, I'll say, were, you know, democracies. And eventually in, into the 90s, the rest of Europe, after the fall of the Soviet Union, also became democracies. I mean, most notably in the aftermath of World War uh, II, uh, India became a democracy. Pakistan became a democracy. Um, you know, it, there were arguments with India. They were like, maybe we should have the elites kind of rule for a little while because the people don't know. And we're like, no, we're, we're going to go with this whole democracy thing. Now, I do understand some people, the old joke is that, you know, well, there's two sides to it. The first one is that pure democracy is two wolves and a sheep debating what's going to be for dinner. Um, the other one is, of course, Sir Winston Churchill, you know, democracy is the, you know, the, the least successful system of government except for every other system that's ever been tried. Um, and, you know, that's why it's so important we talk about uh, influencing voting, you know, because it, the voters wield such power, okay? In democracies, the voters wield tremendous power. They can sweep people into office. And, you know, I have to say, I do see some similarities right now between what's happening in the United States um, and what happened during the closing mm, couple of decades, maybe going back, it might be a little further than that, of the Roman Republic. I mean, that's a topic that I could do an entire different podcast. But basically what started happening, and has nothing to do really with conservative liberals, so if you, if you expect me to come out there and just jump up and down and be like, no, 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 this is all from Trump, no, I'm not going to. What I'm seeing right now is that um, the concentration of wealth into fewer and fewer hands, people are wielding enormous power, okay? I mean, Facebook, I know the younger generation doesn't really do Facebook, but Facebook determines basically what a lot of people actually see as, as true or not. You know, the, the media outlets determine what they're going to present to people, which people use to get their, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, even Twitter, you know, people go out there, conspiracy startup. I mean, I, you know, I did my podcast on conspiracy theories. And, you know, unfortunately, while I do think that the internet is great, and I mean, I have my social media now, you know, putting up Instagram every day, uh, what's going on in history on this day, and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but it's really the ability to warp things, because people can just say something, and it's, well, is it real? Is it not real? You know, I have students ask me all the time about Wikipedia, and I'm like, what, you know, you can, yes, you can say anything on Wikipedia, but then people like me who know history will go through Wikipedia and actually vet it, and if we see that there's something that's not, you know, it's, it's not kosher, guess what? We put in a complaint about it, okay? So I always say if you have a Wikipedia article that has tremendous, it has a lot of footnotes and legitimate books, magazine, uh, you know, uh, literary magazines, um, periodicals and whatnot, then it's okay. But, you know, that really liberal democracy and the idea of the consent of the governed, as people get more and more money, it almost becomes a case of they don't really care because they know that they can use that money to influence, to sway. Um, they can use it to gain control over the modes of the uh, you know, information, how people get that information. And you know what? There is no guarantee that this liberal democracy will last. Um, you know, it's been a very good run so far. I think it's a good thing. 
But when you look at what's happening, you know, unfortunately, there are factions, there are groups in this world um, that do not like the idea of people being able to have their own say because they think that it interferes with their ability to do what they please. And these people don't just come from one particular part of the world. They don't come from one religion, okay? They come from all over. But they're unified in that with them, they want to put their stamp on things. And it goes right back to my my podcast. I know I'm citing my podcasts a lot tonight, you know, hint, hint. Um, you know, the need not to force your views on others. And... You know, I think that that's why in the United States, one of the other great things that the revolution resulted in was after the Articles of Confederation were tried out, um, the Constitution. And the Constitution is fantastic because it it doesn't just say, okay, listen, go out there and vote. And if you guys vote that, uh, uh, you know, all guys that are under five foot five uh, have to wear a, you know, a clown hat every single day. No, you can't. You know, you, you, that's it's not going to happen. It it enshrines these rights and it gives protections. Okay, I mean the Bill of Rights was the kind of sticking point for getting the the whole thing, uh, you know, underway because it was like you know there was this argument. Well, of course everyone knows we're going to have freedom of speech. No, we didn't know that because freedom of speech you have in in certain countries you have what they call laissez majesty, which basically means if you say something negative about the king. You can be arrested and sentenced to jail. I mean, could you imagine in the United States, and again, this goes for both sides, if every time someone said something negative about the president of the United States, they went to jail, by God, we wouldn't have anyone left in the country. Because I'll tell you, you know, and I've lived through several presidents now, and it was the same way. It's like, oh, no, well, I never said anything uh, bad about Obama. Oh, yeah, but I bet you you said a bunch of bad things about Bush when he was in charge. And I'll tell you what, your buddies that were saying good things about Bush and said, well, I never said anything. Well, what about the Clinton years, okay? And then the Obama years. And today, what about Trump? You know, so it, this would be absolutely uh, outlandish. But we, we have those rights. They're protected, okay? And that's the whole point of this. The American Revolution set into action a series of events that not only would end up creating the United States, okay, but it created the Constitution with its enshrined rights, these ideas that you have these certain rights, that certain things cannot be taken away, okay? They can't be granted to you. That's a privilege. A right can't be granted to you. A right is something that you have. A privilege can be granted and taken away. A privilege is a driver's license. It can be granted to you, it can be taken away, but you don't have a right to it, okay? So, you know, this, this type of thing in the Constitution formed a basis for a lot of other liberal democracies that formed in the West and, and around the world. Um, it was a tremendously um, important document and continues to be to this day. You know, we still have debates and arguments. We still have amendments that we add when we come up. Because, you know, obviously over time, things change, Okay. Uh, you know, and, and certain things are important and certain things aren't anymore. For example, it's no longer important to have anything in the Constitution really about slavery because we don't have it anymore, okay? Um, you know, it, it's, but it's important to keep on looking at it. It's not meant to have the, min the most minor detail. The Constitution is meant as something uh, that basically lays out the foundations for 
this government and how the United States is going to operate as a country. And I will say this, that even though the United States has not always lived up to its expectations and to the ideals that we set out from the beginning of the country, um, and I, people can knock me all they want and, and you know, say, oh, you know, U.S., yes, I know, built on the, you know, a lot of it built on the backs of slavery. It was a terrible thing. It was wrong. We finally did get rid of it. Uh, it, it, it took a civil war to do it. Um, but you know what? The, if you actually look through the ideals, they're good. The idea that people have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that's a good thing, okay? The idea that the government uh, should be ruled by, with consent of the governed, this is important. It means we can't have the government running roughshod over, you know, our lives. The government can't, you know, all of a sudden be like, well, no, you can't do this. The government can't say, no, you're not going to have voting anymore. You know, there are a bunch of us we've taken over. No, that's, that's, we have a word. It's unconstitutional. And I think spreading those ideas of liberal democracy throughout the world, that's a really good thing, okay? It's not a bad thing. So for all that America, you know, has at times not lived up to it, um, we've also done in the United States a tremendous amount of good things for the world. And I will argue perhaps the most important thing was that revolution. And it was because it formed the basis for spreading these Enlightenment ideals and, and more importantly, showing that they could work because they did. It had not been done before that. After it, the floodgates had opened. So and we have to hope that we can continue living up to those Enlightenment ideals. So that's, uh, that's my podcast for today. As always, questions, comments, um, you know, anything, you can feel free to uh, uh, send a voice message. Um, also, I do have uh, with my Instagram now, uh, Antonius Optimus um, is up there. You can feel free to check it out. Um, again, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not following back, uh, people. It's just I'm just putting it out there. People are like, "Oh, you have to in order to get Instagram famous." Okay, but I'm. I'm not looking to become uh, an influencer, though. I would, at times, like to have their money, um, for such a silly thing. But anyway, I'm just putting up stuff every day. Hopefully, people can learn a little bit about history. There's not going to be anything ridiculously political there. Um, you know. So if you're conservative, liberal, whatever. You know, uh, it's not going to be stuff trying to push things forward. And it's not about my personal life. You're not going to have pictures of me at the beach. You're not going to have stuff outside of history. So it's, it's G-rated. It's great, you know, have, uh, for all ages. Anyway, that's it for me today. Another episode to follow. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get one out midweek. This is a short week for people in New Jersey, students and teachers, because of the teachers' convention this weekend. And we'll see what's going on from there. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you may be. And I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.